I was tracking success rates based on abstinence, he would have been a negative because he relapsed soon after coming out of the program. But in, in my in my uh, in, in in my opinion, that is 100% a success story. All right, folks. Uh, uh, welcome to Beyond Sobriety. This is a show two of our new format through a podcast, and uh, today's show is going to be. Uh, centered on the topic of success when it comes to uh, how that word is used within substance abuse treatment. Um, me, uh, obviously, having to answer that question often, uh, it is the, the number one question that loved ones, family, parents ask um, uh, when uh, they are inquiring about sending a loved one to Freedom Farm or Carries Home for Women, uh, which is, what is your success rate? And people always ask that, and I think uh, that it, 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 it's easy to say that they have um, they have an expectation of what what that word means, which is um, success, meaning that we're gonna we're gonna send our loved one there, and when they come out, they won't have those problems anymore. Um, they won't use uh, uh, substances anymore or abuse them. And um, I think the, the word uh, is much more complicated, um, uh, and that's what the basis of this show is today, that we really need to talk about it. And I want to try to give a, a, a little commentary um, how it's used uh, to promote success rates at other, um, at other programs and, and, and how we can, uh, if you find yourself uh, hearing success rates, some, some maybe some questions you need to ask if you're able to uh, uh, about it and how they got those numbers. So Today we're talking about success and, and what it looks like in our program, uh, but also just what it kind of looks like uh, industry-wide because uh, obviously there's a lot of, you know, success. Basically, one of the things that we want to get across is that you need to um, talk. Uh, when you're tr looking for treatment, you know, you need to be... Uh, aware that di every facility you talk to is going to measure success differently, mm. and and so I've got statistics from the the Betty Ford Clinic. I've got a national study uh, that here that they did. Uh, you're going to hear uh, Betty Ford says anywhere from 85 to 95 percent success rate for their people, uh, and the, what they measure, how they measure success, is those people are abstinent when they call them three months, six months, nine months, twelve months. After the people leave the the program, those people are still uh, absent. They're self-reporting, of course, that they're absent, so they don't actually go out and perform a drug test. So there's, you know, there's some some room for error in that measurement. Uh, but and, and that's one of the problems that we have, even even as we uh, try to track success rates, is we can only contact the people that want to stay in contact with us. Mm -hmm. So when people fall off the radar that's obviously going to affect our ability to track. But uh, kind of the question I have is, is what's most important in, in your opinion as far as when, when parents or loved ones are looking for substance abuse treatment centers for their loved ones, what questions should they ask? What, what, what should they know before they go into that process as far as um, what am I likely to hear and what does it actually mean? When shopping around uh, for a place to send a loved one uh, to, um, this this kind of comes from uh, first show, 
Um, if they are trying to sell you a goal of sobriety, just strictly sobriety, we want to get your loved one sober, um, uh, you know, you, you know, obviously want to inquire on how they go about doing that. Now, um, uh, most of the places that are able to accept insurance and um, uh, are big named are they 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 are actually basically given protocol on how that needs to be accomplished that's approved in in the country and a lot of that is uh, twelve step based um, uh, uh, twelve step based philosophy and um, if you listen to a gentleman by the name of Lance Dodes who is very critical of this not a Christian psychiatrist does a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of reporting on this has written a book called debunking um, is it debunking uh, I don't remember the name I don't know it. it's about debunking the 12 steps um, uh, and then its effectiveness he makes this point you don't uh, we'll get you the name of the book here in a minute but he makes this point in it that so what you end up doing is that you have a protocol of how this is going to get done how are we going to accomplish sobriety um, we have to use uh, this. So then you get all these places in order to attract people. They add all kinds of non-scientific based therapies in order to just kind of make it more attractive for someone to go to. That book that Jim mentioned, and I'll link it in the show notes as well, but it's called The Sober Truth, Debunking the Bad Science Behind 12-Step Programs and the Rehab Industry. Uh, it's available on Amazon or wherever you want to buy your books. There's also like a five-minute NPR uh, um, interview you can listen to that's very informative. In like five minutes, you get the gist of what this yeah, guy's yeah. talking about. It's pretty powerful. So when a person's um, looking for uh, um, a place to send a loved one, um, you know, just kind of like my own opinion, be careful if someone's trying to send you basically a summer camp, you know, or a spa of some kind, because that's what a lot of these places have turned into. It's like, hey, look, we're going to give you the best therapy. We've got a counselor on staff. Um, but look at all these amenities that they're going to be able to. I mean, he talks about, Lance Doe's talks about, you know, things like horse therapy and, and uh, um, ocean therapy where, you know, they basically form a therapy around taking people out on a boat, you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so... Uh, I want to make a comment on just using the Betty Ford's number, uh, what Todd just said. This is something I also tell people, and I think anybody that's in the industry would tell would, would agree with me. If someone's giving you like a, a, a really high success rate, that should be a red flag right away. Um, would you say 80? Uh, between 85 and 95 percent. 85 and 95 percent. Now, I'm way more suspicious suspicious of things uh, like this than my friend Todd here is. Um, uh, and we discussed a little bit before the show on how that number, how they come up with that number. So let's just kind of paint a picture because um, you got to understand that this is the kind of, they need to produce numbers so they can continue to qualify for funding and whatnot and be, be a place to attract uh, more people. These numbers are very suspicious because you would wonder why, if they have such a high success rate, why that has now not been adopted across the board exactly what they do. But you still have all these individual places doing different things. So anyway, this is how um, a lot of places come up with numbers like that. Um, I actually visited um, a place here in North Carolina, the premier secular place here in North Carolina. I won't mention the name, 
not here to to uh, try to to disparage uh, other places, but I w- was given a three hour tour of the place, um, and uh, and I asked the success question on my tour, and I said, "How do you measure success here?" And what is your success rate? He said, it's very high. I said, do you have a percentage? He said, no, I don't have a number for you. I said, well, how do you measure it? He said, well, we are required to report to the insurance companies um, while the individual is with us how they are doing, and that's how we uh, determine our success rate. So get that. This place costs upwards of $20,000 to stay at for 28 days. And while the individual is with them, their insurance companies are required to get reporting. That number they're reporting, yes, they're here, yes, they're participating, yes, that becomes part of their success percentage. I asked him, do you check in with them after they leave? He said, no, but we have a very dynamic uh, alumni uh, a group that a lot of guys come to, you should come to see it. That's how they answered me. Um, if you want, like I said, if you want to stay at this place, it's upwards of $20,000 for 28 days. The numbers that Todd gave, now, they, he said that they checked three months, six months, 12 months. So how is it uh, they could come up with uh, 80%? So again, the one of the big things, like Todd said, self-reporting. These are all, you call somebody up, how are you doing? Are you using drugs? Are you using alcohol? No. So they become uh, a positive in the success uh, percentage. Um, also, uh, this is where uh, we maybe disagree a little bit. There's, there, there's no way of knowing that these numbers are based off of the amount of people that came through their front door. This is what I mean. Let's say you had 100 people come into the Betty Ford Clinic, and they're checking with people three months, six months, 12 months. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean they're checking with all 100 people that came through and left for those numbers. They could have identified 10 people to do this, uh, uh, to, to do this reporting on. So you're only, you're only really checking with a small percentage of the amount of people that came through, and they manipulate things like this, again, in order to get high success, success rate numbers. And this is all because people want to answer the question of success based on are they continuing to use substances, are they abstinent or not? That's the number they're trying to come up with. In order to tell people that we have a high success of people that are continuing in their abstinence, um, there's a lot of manipulation that gets involved in the numbers. Let me tell you, another, another way of doing it, I mean, I knew, I knew a place that was extremely expensive. It was like 40000 bucks to go for a month in Florida. This is how they got their, I mean, imagine the amenities you're getting for $40,000 a month. The way they came up with their high success rate was they called individuals one week after they left and self-reporting, and they had an upwards of high 70s, uh, low 80s success rate too. But then they never talked to them again after that. That was it. Well, and then you would also say, I think, in addition to them just uh, reporting against a zero, you know, a zero sum game, you're either abstinent or you're not. Um, you're in addition to that, you've got funding that's tied to that as well. So that kind of makes people have maybe not as pure motives as they probably would have otherwise. 
So if that's the case, then if, if you can't really trust a lot of these facts and figures that you might hear or that you might read on a website, well, then, then what are you to do? How, how do you assess whether it's going to be a, a good program or not? What, does, what is a successful program? Okay, so um, this is when things get very specific um, in where, our, uh, where I see myself uh, operating within this world. So uh, I like to try to basically tell people, you know, the way that I um, view success. M my view of success is not necessarily based on um, abstinence, okay? So um, uh we are not trying to report a number to people uh, of this many people are uh, continuing on abstinence that uh, finish our program. Um, let me let me quick just side note. Uh, I did this recently. I went through two hundred and seventy something records on my own. Two eighty six. Two eighty six. Two hundred eighty six records um, on my own um, uh, here at our at, at Freedom Farm. To come up with a success, see if I could come up with a with a positive success rate, and I came up with a with something I could confidently say that eighty six percent of our guys are successful. Now that would be great news to hear, right? I mean, people would be like, "Wow, eighty six percent." So this is how I came up with that number. My my basis of success was not that. Did I know that these people were completely abstinent? Um, uh, uh, continuing on in complete abstinence, or they had not had any kind of a relapse since they left the program. No, it was, am I still in touch with them? Are they living what seems to be a, uh, a, a life of, they're a product, productive member of society? Are they actively working? Um, uh, are they actively uh, fellowshipping with, uh, with uh, other believers, attending church, and, and, the, and these types of things? So, 86% of the people uh, that completed our program, um, which is a one-year program, uh, fit into that category. Um, but here's the number that makes it all, all uh, show you how easy it is to manipulate. Um, only 12% of the men that came into Freedom Farm uh, actually finished the full one-year commitment. So that 86 per, uh, uh, percentage uh of guys that were under my definition of success that I, that made up the 80, 86 was only um, uh, twelve percent of the people that had entered the program. It was only it was only based on twelve percent. So, but another encouraging number that I came up with that fifty percent it was fifty one percent of the men that left prematurely. Uh, I could honestly say that their lives looked completely different. Than when they first, uh, when I first met them and they first came into the program. So, success for me, okay, number one, that I know that everybody that comes into Freedom Farm is going to be uh, spiritually diagnosed. They're going to be asked uh, questions um, that uh, are, are going to uh, give us a great idea of where they are with the, with the, with, uh, who they are in, in God's eyes, uh, what that means uh, on a daily basis. And I'm going to tell you that 9.5 out of 10 guys that come in here, uh, they do not know um, how they stand before a holy God. 
Um, they know about Jesus. They know about him dying on the cross, but they don't know how all of that applies to their lives, even men that have gone to uh, church for a majority of their lives. So uh, within the first month, we are having conversations that are clearing up things like that. Um, while guys, uh, men are with us, we are continuing to um, give them uh, information and materials and point them to how the, the answers to those very questions, who is, who is this holy God, um, what do I on my own standing before this holy God, uh, 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 what does that look like, and how is that relationship prepared through Jesus Christ, um, what is that, after we've, we've solidified that uh, with, with an individual, what does that mean for me on a daily basis? Um, uh, that is a, uh, the continued work that goes on here at Freedom Farm uh, while the men are with us for a 12-month period. Um, and uh, uh, I, I think that that is a good basis. Uh, if someone calls me and says, you know, how successful you are, I'm going to say, well, I'm very successful at doing this with men that come here. So then from what that tells me just sitting here listening to that and and from the conversations we've had in the past it sounds and some of the research that that i did and stuff actually pointed to this as well um, if you're if you're looking at if you're coming from a christian background and you're wanting biblical treatment uh if you you know there are maybe more important questions that then what is the success rate of the alcohol or drug treatment program that you're sending your loved one to you know, it, it, would you agree that maybe maybe the question, does my son or daughter have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and and is this place going to help that develop? Is that maybe a a better, a more important question than is this? I mean, obviously we want sobriety. Every you know that's the point of an addiction treatment program is right. sobriety. But um, there are more important things in life than just sobriety. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you are a Christian, you're watching this show, and you are needing to have answers for this question, um, those would be the ways uh, that you, you actually spell out perfectly. That's how I would uh, encourage people asking, what is this place going to do as far as uh, my son or daughter's relationship with Jesus Christ? We are on the same page that he is the answer for life. Uh, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, which is Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. So are we going to uh, be ministering to our loved ones um, uh, with that as a basis of, 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 of our goals on a daily, uh, uh, while we're with them? Um, are we going to be applying these truths to their lives and helping them apply these truths to their lives as, as they are moving through a program and life is happening and struggles are coming up and we're able to talk about those individual things. So, uh, absolutely. So really, I mean, if you think about it, um, uh, if you are sending a loved one to learn how to live a Christ centered life, a byproduct of that will be sobriety, right? Right. right? So you need to find places, um, that, uh, are fully invested on how to, help people learn to live a Christ-centered life. Um, and you have to have faith that a byproduct of your loved one learning that um, will be a transformed life. 
but, but but it's all reversed really within the industry of 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 treatment you were talking about how if if someone comes to Christ and they actually follow Christ that Christ is going to take that trans, they're going that addiction or that sin is going to get taken out of their life as part of the sanctification process um I mean, obviously, they've got to work at it. You know, there's there's no program on earth that that can do it without the individual's participation. But um, would you even with our program? I mean, like we have people that relapse. I mean, Absolutely. it's not not uncommon at all, um, unfortunately. But I would I would say too, have you know, we need to as a as a culture. I think we need to have uh, a little bit more grace with people. I mean, sure, we want zero, we want abstinence from drugs and alcohol. That's great, but it's sin, you know, and, and sin is not, uh, you know, I, I have sins. I don't struggle with drug and alcohol abuse, but I have other things that I struggle with, you know, and and so, you know, the idea that I'm just one day that's just going to stop, you know, is is just unrealistic, I think. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we close this out that you wanted to say? Well, I wanted to give you a picture of success. Um, I'm not going to mention his name, but uh, a graduate of Freedom Farm uh, called me yesterday morning um, and uh, he's been out of the program for three years now. And he has since gotten married, started his own business. Uh, he and his wife have, uh, have, have purchased a property. They've had an architect um, design a home. And it's very exciting. And every time I've spoken to him, he has been uh, just a, an encouragement because um, he is living a different life, a transformed life. Uh, he's very involved in his church, um, raises uh, money for missions, um, uh, just everything that you would hope for a guy um, that would come in here. Um, but he called me because he uh, needed to um, share something with me. And this is uh, what happened was he called me first thing in the morning and said, look, it's been bothering me for some time now, but when I left Freedom Farm, I relapsed. I relapsed and I actually had a real tough time with it. He said, I don't want to blame it on anything, but what? when I left Freedom Farm, I, I went from this fellowship that was just encouraging and um, it was great to be around every day and it made it easy uh, uh, to be living and have my mind the way it was. And when I left immediately, uh, I didn't get plugged into a church. I didn't. Uh, he, he had Gaga eyes for the, his now wife. And so he had a lot of attention on that, but he ended up going home and at home, not plugged in with the pressures of, you know, a, a fiance and all that kind of stuff. He ended up relapsing. Um, and it got bad real quick. Like it was like a week long thing. Um, he ended up going back home, confessing to, uh, uh, some people at the church that he is now involved in. Um, he has not had issues with it for the last couple years. So um, if I was tracking success rates based on abstinence, he would have been a negative because he relapsed soon after coming out of the program. But in, in, my, in, my, uh, in, in, in my opinion, that is 100% a success story. 
this guy actually went back to what got him here in the first place. And when he struggled with it again, he knew what he needed to do about that issue. And this kind of, just to, just to kind of piggyback on what Todd was saying, this is something I think is very important for guys. Guys come here for a specific problem, substance abuse. But we try to show them that because they struggle with sin on a daily basis doesn't mean that the answer to their struggle is any different than the same answer to somebody like Todd that's never struggled with You've never even drank anything. No, I haven't. I don't understand people like you. <laughs> so never even had a drink. If you understood my childhood, you would understand somebody like that's me. That's true. Um, I do know a little bit about it, but uh, that's another show, I guess. I guess. But uh, um, but yeah, so Todd's the answer for Todd's life is the same answer for the guy coming in here that's struggling with substance abuse. If it isn't Christ and what that means on a daily basis, then uh, then then uh, then we're lost. But because we have the, a similar a shared answer, um, you know, someone like Todd can speak into the life of somebody that's struggling um, with the with the substance abuse that gets them here in the first place. So. That is a big difference. A big difference when you go to places that call, that charge thousands upon thousands of dollars, and all they're focused on, in on is this one thing, right? Right. That one thing. If you just want to focus in on that one thing, you're going to lose because your problem isn't that one thing. It's 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 something much more broad, you know. Right. It, yeah. In in the parlance of Biblical counselors, it's a it's a heart issue. It's not your your issue is a heart issue. It's not a behavior issue. Drinking and alcohol or whatever is a behavior that you you choose to express. It's not that's not the problem. That's the symptom of the problem. But you know, our culture has totally driven. I mean, it's not even. I mean, it's it's an actual um, mental illness. You know, it's an and a medical DSM. diagnosis. It's too. a medical diagnosis. It's a disease. Um, right. They even tried to prove it. It was genetic, but. Um, most people don't realize it, they've disproven that. It's been debunked. So anyway, I think uh, that's all I have to say on the topic. Okay. I would uh, just remind you that if you want to go over to beyondsobriety.org, that's our website, you can sign up so that you get notified uh, when we do these Facebook Lives as well as when we post to our YouTube channel and when we post the new podcast episodes. Uh, we'll also be on all the podcasts, not quite yet, all, all the podcast platforms like um, uh, Stitcher and iTunes and all that. It's coming probably within the next couple weeks, uh, so we're not quite there yet, but it's on the way. And then uh, you can always watch us on YouTube as well. Uh, there's links to that on the website as well. So check mm -hmm. us out at beyondsobriety.org. Otherwise, thanks for uh, watching, and we will see you next week.